optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now what is it in a broken time? What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com TFS. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, boys and girls. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show, where it is my job, typically every episode, to deconstruct world-class performers of various types, to tease out the habits, routines, and so on that you can apply to your own life. Sometimes they come from military, entertainment, sports, and beyond. It's a very broad spectrum. Every once in a while, I do an in-between-isode, a solo venture where I monologue on some topic or answer your questions. And this episode is going to be a 2016 year in review. Last year, I did a recap of a number of things that I'd learned from podcast guests. I'm not going to do that this year because the Tools of Titans book handles that very, very nicely and includes all of the highlights. So rather than do that, I thought I would run through, since it's been a common request, what I do at the end of a year. And this is going to hold true for at least the last six years. And I say six years because around 2011, I recall being at a fancy conference not going to mention it by name, fantastic conference, very small, I'd say about 150 people. And it spanned about three days, and it happened to cross over New Year's. And I recall sitting outside on a patio, 
having a glass of wine with a number of folks and getting a text from my mother. And the text informed me that the young daughter of one of my childhood mentors had died of cancer, and I think it was liver cancer. And this really forced me in a way to step back, and I walked away from the party. I called my mom and I spoke with her and realized that for me, New Year's isn't, and it's really never been, about the rager parties. I've done that, but what I did that night is I sat down, I was slightly buzzed, but I did a, a complete review and recap of the last year. And I focused on that instead of resolutions. And therefore, when I think of a new year and the end of a year, including this year, 2016, what I try to do is a post-game analysis and really look back at the year. So I thought I would share a few things that I've learned and then a few of the practices that I use. And as always, it takes the form of a big pile of notes, <laughs> a jumbled mess of things with columns and circles and stars and so on that I will later put into some semblance of sanity. But I've had about 12 pounds of leftover turkey and mashed potatoes, as well as probably 17 pounds of Danish butter cookies and chocolate. So please bear with me if my brain stumbles here and there like a drunk sailor. That is the state of affairs. All right, number one. Let me share a few things that I've learned by studying and listening to uh, and speaking with two people. First is Oprah. I have not met Oprah Winfrey in person, but listen to a fantastic mini-series. Uh, it is done by, I think it was WBEZ. I may be getting the, the call sign incorrect, but uh, a Chicago-based public radio outfit created a three-part mini-series called The Making of Oprah and or making Oprah and very easy to find. There are a few things I took from it among many, many others. So the first is uh, really a few core beliefs of Oprah's and these ended up being mantras that a lot of her producers would repeat because they would be told this frequently by Oprah herself. So the first is there are only two emotions, love and fear. So even if you disagree with that statement, I wrote it down because I think that it can be used as a, as a powerful question. If we assume there are only two emotions, love and fear. Which in this moment are you feeling? Or which is causing you to behave in a certain way? And as Tony Robbins has said to me, and has said on the podcast, uh, stressed, I'm just a little bit stressed, and so on. Stressed is the achiever word for fear. So there are only two emotions, love and fear. Next up, this is something she learned after a particular episode with skinheads. This was in 1988. And Oprah had, in the beginning, to, of course, in sweep uh, season and otherwise, try to raise ratings and viewership for particular episodes. And she had skinheads on at one point to talk about race. And she realized at some point, I think in the middle of the episode, that she was not using them as part of her agenda. They were using her and that she had provided a vehicle for spreading darkness in the world, in a sense. And that it was not going to be constructive, it was actually going to be destructive. And so she made the decision not to represent darkness in the world. And this is a binary decision. So, so I think that it is, it is very useful, again, as a lens through which to view your decisions and projects and so on. You know, are you attempting to, at the very least, be a force for good in the world, or even if you are not perpetuating darkness, 
committing dark acts, are you representing darkness in the world? Meaning providing a stage for it or writing about it in a way, covering it in a way that is not uh, intended to provoke an action to mitigate it, etc. All right, so that was the second thing I wrote down. And uh, then the next was you can only run your own race. And this is something that she would tell her producers if they were concerned about what the competition was doing. If you're in a race, say a horse race, and you look back to see what someone is doing behind you, you'll very frequently fall behind and then get second or third place. So you can only run your own race, keep your blinders on, and focus on your strengths effectively. Okay, next up, we have Seth Godin. Uh, Seth Godin, uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of spending some time with, and these are a few things that he mentioned uh, to me, and this was probably, in fact, at the last Shopify Build a Business Competition uh, winner gathering that I took these notes. He mentioned a number of books. One was called Cult Your Brand. The next was Debt, which he's talked about on my podcast as well with him, the very first episode, I believe. The Gift by Lewis Hyde. And Lewis Hyde has some, some fantastic other books, including one on trickster mythology, if you're into that type of thing, as I am. Then Understanding Comics. And <laughs> there are a bunch of random bullets. Kramer Knives. He likes Kramer Knives, C-R-A-M-E-R. Uh, one of his lines was, Doing More is a four-letter word. And then there were, there were two that really stuck with me. He also was a big fan and is a big fan of the Mystery Show episode number three. This is a podcast produced by Gimlet Media. Then there are two more. All right, be happy with 20,000 customers. If you delight them, you'll never lose them, but you will lose them if you try to go for 20 million people. And I don't think they're always mutually exclusive, but I think this is very good to keep in mind in a world obsessed with scaling and more and doubling and hockey sticking and so on. That's all fine and good, but I think that it's very easy to be romanticized by lingo used for venture-backed startups and to shoot yourself in the foot or in some cases shoot yourself in the face. So in almost all instances, something like 1000 True Fans written by Kevin Kelly, which is an essay I recommend everybody read, there's an updated version in Tools of Titans, and I think he's also put it on his site at kk.org, so you can check that out. Leads to all good things. <laughs> that is a necessary component. Whether you want to be a 60-plus billion-dollar uh, valued startup, or you want to simply make an extra $25,000, dollars $100,000 a year. Next, this is perhaps the key, and I circled this several times on this piece of paper that I've kept now for quite some time. And here's the question that he posed. If I had to charge two times more, that is, and couldn't do any paid advertising, what would I do instead? So if I were targeting that at you, if you had to charge two times what you're currently charging for your product or service and couldn't do any paid advertising, what would you do instead? And this is something I've, I've thought about a lot and it is a fantastic question. And most of my yearly reviews take the form of a series of questions. And some of them I'll bring up, but most of them occur in the 17 questions that changed my life chapter in Tools of Titans, uh, which is also uh, I put on the blog. So you can find that even if you don't have the book, just go to fourhourblog.com or search my name, Tim Ferriss, 17 questions, it'll pop right up. Uh, the review often takes the form of many questions, and this can be one of them. If you had to charge two times as much, but couldn't do any paid advertising, what would you do instead? And I'll very often back into the 
features, so to speak, of a product or a high-priced event, in my case, where I decided that I wanted to charge twice as much as the closest competitor. Closest competitor, so to speak, or I shouldn't say competitor, it's really comparable, was priced at $5,000 a head. I decided to price it $10,000 a head and then work backwards to create an experience that would be worth $10,000 a head. Okay, so that is Seth. We've covered Seth. We've covered Oprah. Let's talk about 80-20 analysis. When I look back at my year, and I do this in a very particular way, I will look at my iCal on my Mac, and I will start with Jan 1, in this case of 2016, and go through my entire calendar day by day. And this does not need to take a very long time. Uh, It really only takes uh, certainly less than an hour. And I will ask myself two questions as filters at the beginning. And then I have a piece of paper, as I do right now, and there's a plus sign at the top of one column and a negative sign at the top of the other. And what I'm looking for is the following. The 20% of activities, uh, experiences, or people who produced 80% or more of my most positive emotions. These are the things that I want, positive emotions and positive outcomes, although they're not always perfectly correlated, right? So the 20% of activities, experiences, or people who produced 80% or more of the most positive emotions I experienced that year. And then on the flip side, you have the 20% of activities, experiences, and people who produced 80% or more of the negative emotions, the stress, the bullshit in your life, the angst, the anger, whatever it might be, that you would want to remove or excise from your life, or at least minimize. And I created my various categories. It turned out I did a very good job in 2016, much more so than in 2014 or 2015, at following my own rules. What did this mean? This means that I had a lot more in the positive category because I'd identified patterns in the past. So I take these, uh, I look at these experiences and then I try to spot patterns. What are the commonalities? For instance, in my positive column for this past year, I have a trip to South America to do an acro yoga intensive training course. Uh, I have a family trip in June, which was to Paris where I took my parents uh, to Paris for a month uh, because my mom had never been, my dad hadn't been since the 60s. A a ski trip to Montana with friends. Uh, An elk hunt, which was in Colorado with four, I think it was four, no, excuse me, three very close friends. Uh, Didn't end up getting an elk, but that's kind of beside the point. And then the Easter Island trip with Peter Tia, David Sabatini, and Nav uh, Chantel. And If you look at the commonalities here, there are a few elements. So I have extended trips off the grid, all right, meaning no social media, no email, etc. Physical component, some form of rigorous daily movement or exercise, and time with family and close friends. All right, so, uh, and there there are a few other things. If if you looked at positives, looking at the negative space for the positives, no startup investing. So I followed my own decision to retire effectively from startup investing, which uh, you can read about ad nauseum if you just search my name and startup vacation. And then lots of empty space. I'd blocked out lots of empty space in my calendar so that I would have the maneuverability and space to change direction 
or say hell yes to the few things that I wanted to uh, along the lines of Derek Sivers. All right, so those are a few of the things I did right. So this year, I am... Now, let me add one more thing. Before taking an action step, and I'll explain what that step is, I also asked a number of people very close to me, what do you think I should do more of in 2017 and less of in 2017? What should I do more of and what should I do less of? And there were some general... Uh, responses that you could receive from multiple people, like do less of whatever you view to be a chore or an obligation. Okay. And we'll talk about how you might do less of those things. Now on the positive side, they said teaching, perhaps you should spend more time interacting with high school students. I enjoy that. And I've done a number of things with high school students and I do things with high school students every year uh, in some capacity, whether it's through Donors Choose or QuestBridge uh, or build these are all nonprofits that I work with related to education. But uh, a few of my closest friends have seen me interact with high school students and have observed how much I love that. So they said, you should do more of that. Next was live podcasts and Q&A. Uh, this was feedback that I got from friends who attended the New York City event at the 92Y and saw me do a live event. So one thing I am considering doing, and I'd love your feedback, guys, is... Uh, having a podcast tour, taking my dog Molly, putting her in an RV and driving around the US and doing live podcasts in some well-known cities, certainly like uh, say in LA or San Francisco or Seattle or New York, Miami, Chicago, Austin, whatever it might be, but also doing some more out of the way spots, uh, maybe a few smaller towns in Nebraska or in uh, Montana, for instance. So let me know what you think of that. Uh, the the way I might do that is uh, if it, if anybody wants to take the initiative now, uh, this is probably what I'll end up doing is have people create Facebook groups for Tools of Titans. So it'd be Tools of Titans group Austin, Tools of Titans group. Omaha, whatever it might be, Tools of Titans group, Charleston, right? And then the people who are able, the organizers or groups who are able to amass the highest number of people or past a certain threshold, say 250 people or 500 people. I don't know what the number is yet, but let's just say it's 250. Then they go into the contenders list for these live podcasts. This is a very likely thing to happen, I think. Okay, next up was... Uh, more sunrises. I tend to be a very late riser and late, uh, late to bed, late to rise. And I always feel fantastic when I do get up for a sunrise. And uh, that is not something I've done consistently. So that's another one. And then consistent feedback, more time out of cities in the country. So that matches up with the Montana, South America, uh, the Colorado trip, Easter Island, etc. Right. So once you have these patterns spotted after doing this positive 80-20 analysis and negative 80-20 analysis, then I start putting things into the calendar. If it is not in the calendar, it is not real. And I've already started scheduling the fun stuff. And there are a few ways that I've done this. So number one is I almost always do something with my family for Christmas. So that's one extended trip. This year was an exception. We took a year off of that because we want to do it at home. Also, a trip around June or July. Now, why is this important? It's important because with these extended trips, and of course, I'm just pulling a number out of my ass, but I would say 90% of the gift 
is to yourself and others is the anticipation of the experience. This is why it's so important to schedule and block it out ahead of time. So extended trip mid-year, extended trip at the end of the year. That means you have something to look forward to every six months. All right. Now, there there are a few uh, reasons that I started doing this. All right. So you're, you're going to put these various trips, these various activities, etc., in the calendar. And one of the reasons I started focusing on these types of in-advance purchases was because I read a book, and I would give it really a 7 out of 10. Uh, there are aspects of the book that I, that, I'm, that I perhaps disagree with, but I'll get to that. And the title of the book is Happy Money. All right, Happy Money. Subtitle, The Science of Happier Spending. And this is by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. And really, it answers the question, can money buy happiness? And the answer is that money is, well, these are my words, necessary but not sufficient in a way for happiness per se. But can you use money to increase your well-being and effectively happiness in different degrees? And the answer is yes, absolutely. So they focus on, I think it's five core principles. There are some issues with the social science, observational data, confusing correlation with causation, etc. all of that. But uh, I did find it useful as, as thinking of a framework. Some of the questions they would ask are, and I know we're jumping around, this is the Danish butter cookies and uh, caffeine in action. But the questions they might ask would include when you're considering a purchase, how will this affect how I use my time? So for any purchase, how will this affect how I use my time? And that's a good one to write down. This is actually very versatile. Could be something you're considering doing in the future. Could purchasing this and anticipating, enjoying it six months from now affect how I use my time now, etc. All right, next is how will I use this thing on Tuesday nights? Right next Tuesday. How would I? How will I use this on Tuesday nights or next Tuesday? Um, and in effect, what you're doing is you're turning decisions of of dollars into decisions of time. How purchases will affect how you use your time. So another analysis that I do or review, in addition to the iCal or calendar review and eighty twenty analysis positive negative, is I will go through my five minute journal. So many of you have heard me talk about this before. And the five minute journal has a series of prompts that you answer in the morning and at night. It takes about five minutes, certainly less than that, three minutes in the morning, maybe three minutes at night. And there are a few bullets such as at the end three amazing things that happened today how could i have made today better all right and if you go i am grateful for at the very top and when you go through your logs and you read your entries which are one page a piece in the five minute journal you will spot patterns and this informs also how you then start to put things into your calendar and schedule all right so when i read this book uh, happy money. This was some time ago. I started to do quite a few things. I would ask questions such as, and I'm going to ask these types of questions of myself now. Uh, and this relates also to something that a gent named Dan Sullivan, who owns a company called strategic coach. Uh, this is, this is a point he has made, which is if you have money to solve a problem, it isn't a problem. And I'm paraphrasing here. So there's certain questions you can ask yourself. All right. So I have these written down. I'm saying so a lot. It seems like that might be the, uh, hundred percent cacao chocolate kicking in. All right. hundred dollars to most increase happiness. Question mark. 
Right, so if I, if I could only use $100 right now to most increase my happiness, what would it be? How would I apply it? And then I have $500 to most increase happiness, question mark. $1,000 to most increase happiness, question mark. And uh, last year, some of the answers were gymnastics rack. That is a stall bar or a stall wall, a la gymnastics strength training, as well as pads. These are sort of rollout gymnastics mats, effectively, for doing acro yoga and so on. And I did purchase these things, and they did dramatically improve both my physical well-being and just general psychological well-being. So direct translation, check, check. They both really worked. Okay. Uh, and then this is, of course, dependent on your particular financial situation. But if, if you were to take, say, 10 to 20% of your liquid income that you can afford to lose, this is important, right? 10 to 20% of your liquid cash, let's just call it, that you can afford to lose. How would you apply to increase your quality of life? And this comes back to sort of spending money to affect how you utilize your time. Uh, are there three things that you would most like to add to your life? Three things you would most like to remove from your life? I don't know why I like thinking in threes so much, but I find it very helpful. Uh, so one of them f for me was figuring out, this is last year, how to completely extricate myself from a lot of the tax and estate planning management aspects in my life and my family's. All right. Another one, I did not end up doing this. This, this wasn't, yeah, I guess this was probably about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago. I put matchmaker, question mark, wing woman, question mark. I'm not sure if you can pay for a wing woman. You probably can, but I was thinking matchmaker because a friend of mine, very successful guy, actually met a wonderful woman and uh, they ended up getting married through a matchmaker. I was like, you know what? Maybe all this online stuff is a little too uh, complicated and cute and time consuming, uh, did not end up going to that. Uh, small things, Roomba, getting a Roomba. I identified that I very often when I had people clean my house and it was done pretty frequently, it was because Molly, my dog was shedding all over the place. The rest of the house was fine. I didn't need dusting. I didn't need, uh, any pans and pots and so on clean. I didn't need any of that. I just needed dog hair picked up and I was overpaying and it was kind of bothering me because I would, I would come back and I can afford to pay for a cleaner, but I, I have this very peculiar sensitivity to people moving my shit around. And so <laughs> my books would be moved around. My cups would be moved around. I just, it's stupid. Yes, I know, but I was sensitive to it. So I got a, a Roomba at the end of the day. And there are a couple of different models. Still not hundred percent happy with them, but I, I, I have found them very, very valuable. Okay. Uh, and then you go down a list. Like I, can I pay for every possible virtual reality demonstration, VR demos, uh, train dogs at shelters. This isn't really something to pay. This is more of a something to add to life to increase my sense of well-being and contribution, which actually does apply to this happy money book that I mentioned. Prepaying for massages, etc. Okay, uh, prepaying is an important concept, and I won't get into all the whys right now. But I did decide, for instance, for an eight-week period to prepay for acro yoga training with two instructors. And we could, we could discuss another time why I think it's better in almost every case with an individual sport or craft to either, and well, in both cases, to not do one-on-one -on -one lessons. So you want either another student with you, with another teacher, or you want two teachers and then yourself. Uh, that, that tends to be a much better use of your time in terms of uh, adding steroids to the learning curve. All right, but I, I ended up developing a curriculum and prepaying for two to three times per week of acro yoga with one or two teachers, mostly two. 
and got that on the books. So I couldn't weasel out of it. Now, this was also a way because I set the start time as 10 a.m., which seems late. I know Jocko's already done 18 hours of calisthenics and deadlifts by then, but in my case, it forced me to get up at, say, 8.30 or 9 o'clock, which for me was like a Herculean task. It sounds ridiculous, but I very often go to bed at 3 or 4 in the morning. So to reverse that trend, I prepaid and pre-scheduled for 10 a.m. in the morning. Uh, And then there's a bunch of weird stuff that I wrote down here in terms of experiments. Now, the experiments were, in answer to the question, what are the what are the most absurd things I could do? What are the craziest things I could do? So for 2017, what are the craziest things I could do? I actually have not done this exercise yet. I'm going to do it uh, within the next few days. I'm recording this on the 27th of December. <clears throat> and last year, I wrote down a bunch of uh, wacky ones. Short film competition for like an action movie sequence, question mark, impersonation, question mark, (laughs) that might require a bunch of explanation. I won't get into it right now. Next one, this requires even more explanation, but I think you guys will get a kick out of it. The polygamist king, question mark. (laughs) All right, I've not had enough alcohol to get into that right now. Uh, Next one, apparel diet. Go one year without any new clothing, without purchasing any new clothing. Still think that one's a good, good one. Then Sarah Silverman. Uh, that's not related to Polygamous King or the Apparel Diet. Uh, these are potential. Uh, th- this is not in the crazy land, but I, I tend to just let my hand flow if thoughts are coming to mind. Podcast guests: Sarah Silverman, Gerard Carmichael, Shay Carl. Shay Carl ended up on the podcast. Okay, so we have a number of things that I've talked about, and what is the craziest thing? What are the craziest things I could do? And some of you might recall I've written about this in Tools of Titans, the goal with answering that question is not to come up with good ideas. The goal is to come up with absurd, crazy ideas, and then you find the seeds of potential good ideas later, but you don't edit. First is the idea generation phase, and this is what has helped me and I, I think I mentioned this on the James Altucher podcast when he interviewed me, that I came up with a list at the Wired conference I attended. Uh, I think it was the Wired conference. might have been a... Yeah, it was a Wired conference. Absolutely. And I, I remember sitting in on these incredible sessions. And at one point, I was inspired to just try to think, not bigger, but odder. Think stranger. If you're having trouble thinking bigger, just think stranger. It's kind of a shortcut for me, at least it has been. And uh, I started making a list of all the craziest things I could do. And it was like, give away all my money. Like literally just give it away, not just like not, not donate, just give it away uh, to shut down all my businesses, to sell the blog, to, I didn't even have the podcast. This is about two years ago when I came up with this, uh, then cut off both of my feet. What the fuck? Right. I mean, that's just insane talk, but I wrote it down. I was like, all right, cut off both my feet. Don't think I'll do that. But yes, that would be, that would qualify as crazy. And I kept on going. And eventually one was take an indefinite startup vacation and that paved the way later to me taking this indefinite startup vacation, which has been one of the best decisions of uh, the last three years of my life, without question. All right. Now, along with the what are the craziest things I could do, I will ask another question, uh, which is, uh, it's effectively 10x question mark. And the 10x can apply to many different things. How would I uh, what would I have to do or what might I do, no matter how crazy, to 10x the listenership of the podcast, right? Uh, to 10x the monthly unique visitors to the blog, to 10x 
the amount of revenue from A, B, C, D, or E. Uh, and this, this goes hand in hand very nicely with the uh, Seth Godin question of if I had to charge 2x and couldn't do any paid advertising, what would I do instead? These pair very, very nicely. But trying to really focus on 10x versus 10%, because if you've set up certain assumptions and systems and processes that only allow incremental or at least only foster incremental gains and thinking to unlock yourself or free yourself from those, asking how to improve 20% instead of 10 is not going to provide you with a new framework or a new process or a new structure, a new business organization, whatever it might be, uh, a new org chart. So the 10x I do find very, 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 very helpful as a way to, again, come up with a lot of crazy ideas and then pick and choose from the uh, the rubble, so to speak, later so that you can find the seeds of something that could be a good idea later. And those are really the basics. Uh, I would encourage you to think of batching. And before we get to batching, number one, schedule the fun stuff first. Because if there is a void, if you're a type A driven personality, and you don't schedule and defend the fun stuff, uh, or the positive, the things that have produced the 20% that have produced 80% or more of your positive emotions in the previous year. If you don't expand those and block out time and then pre-book, pre-pay, pre-commit to other people so there's a social accountability, work will fill the void that remains. And then you will end up realizing at the end of January, oh my God, I've over-calendared and I no longer have time for the fun stuff. And then you're fucked. So let's not do that. That's a terrible feeling and a terrible place to be. And those are really the basics of how I think about the year. I'm not going to bore everybody by going through the 17 questions that uh, I go into at great length, uh, both on the blog and in Tools of Titans. So again, if you want to search 17 questions, Tim Ferriss, you can find it there. A uh, few things that I'm thinking about, though, and I would love your feedback on. So the first is, again, this live podcast tour idea. And I might combine it with like acro yoga um, play parties, not to be confused with other play parties. <laughs> Jam sessions, maybe a better way to put it, uh, throughout the US. I think it'd be really fun to combine those two. Not everybody who would attend would do the acro. Those would be kind of like two separate activities, but uh, that would, again, provide me with the physical component along with the intellectual stimulation and the fun of doing these live podcasts. And the way I'll probably select cities will be by identifying Facebook groups, so Tools of Titans group, fill in the blank, doesn't matter. Trenton, uh, Portland, Maine, you know, uh, doesn't have to be one of the major cities. And if, and if it gets up to a reasonable size, let's just say 250 or more people, then, uh, that might end up being a stop on the tour. That's probably how I will go about it. Uh, the second thing that I'm thinking of doing that I'd love to get your feedback on. And when I say I'd love your feedback, just let me know on, uh, Twitter, uh, or on the blog post, in the blog post comments for this podcast. And uh, you can find the show notes and everything for this at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast, or you can hit me on Twitter at T Ferris, T F E R R I S S, uh, is more month long experiments. Now, some of you may remember Nob Nom, <laughs> which was no booze, no masturbation for 30 days, where we had, I believe, almost 10,000 people actually log in and participate in, in a, in a, uh, sort of uh, community 
accountability fashion on coach.me, which was amazing. And a lot of people got a tremendous amount out of that. The, the next experiment I was thinking about doing, and if people would like to do more of this, let me know, but potentially in January doing a knock-knock. <laughs> um, so dumb, I find these things so amusing. Knock-knock, N-O-C, N-O-C. Um, no carbs, no complaining. So it would be effectively slow-carb diet. And there are, there are some allowances for carbs on cheat day and so on, but no carbs, no complaining, is uh, would be a month-long version of the 21-day no-complaint challenge that I've done before for myself. I've never done it with a large group, and I think it would be uh, even better. I think it would be easier, in fact, in some respects, when you're doing it with a group, knowing that thousands or tens of thousands of people are doing it right alongside you. So no carbs, no complaining, knock, knock. I was going to make it no caffeine, no complaining, or no coffee, no complaining. Uh, but that, I think, uh, <laughs> if you lose the coffee, people start bitching pretty quickly. So maybe asking too much, but no carbs, no complaining. And then maybe we get rid of the, co the, the coffee or the caffeine. Let me know what you think. And uh, that is really about it, guys. Uh, I've had such a lovely 2016. I just have nothing but love for you guys. It's been incredible what this podcast has allowed me to do. It's been incredibly entertaining, educating, and life-affirming to join you guys like this and to interview people I find fascinating and try to share them with you. It's, it's really one of the most gratifying experiences that I get to have on a regular basis. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I wish you and yours nothing but the best for 2017. May you find much joy, deep wisdom, and many pleasant surprises. And uh, I think I'll leave it at that. If you've read Tools of Titans and you would, and you haven't left an Amazon review, I would really, really appreciate that. You know where to find it. And otherwise, I would say think bigger. And if you're having trouble thinking bigger, think stranger. <laughs> Maybe you'll find something in that list that, that will end up being surprisingly practical to crack you out of uh, perhaps self-limiting beliefs or stories or narratives that you've held for this year or perhaps even longer. And I really look forward to seeing what all of you guys do in 2017. So thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Tim Ferriss giving you a big virtual hug and I'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, this is Tim again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, this is Five Bullet Friday. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you enjoy getting a short email from me every Friday that provides a little morsel of fun before the weekend? And Five Bullet Friday is a very short email where I share the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up in the, uh, the world of the esoteric as I do. It could include favorite articles that I've read and that I've shared with my close friends, for instance. And it's very short. It's just a little tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check it out. Just go to fourhourworkweek.com. That's fourhourworkweek.com, all spelled out, and just drop in your email, and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it.